0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Milner, and today I wanted to talk about something that is, in my opinion, one of the most overlooked parts of the process when it comes to nutrition, fitness, anything, anything related to your health and wellness journey. And that is your relationship with food. And this was brought to my attention because I've received a few testimonials uh, from some of our clients that we work with. And one of the things that stood out to me was that each one of them, in kind of their own unique way, mentioned something about how their relationship with food has dramatically improved, which is something that we are very intentional about and very specific um, in how we address the mindset side of things. Like we openly talk about that. And the reason that that's a part of our philosophy, it stems from my own personal journey and my own experience with having a very disordered relationship with food for a number of years. And I've actually been on both ends of the spectrum, which I'll talk about. But um, also, you know, a lot of people can relate to that where anytime we go on this, you know, journey for better health, and we have goals, and we're trying to achieve a body composition goal, we're trying to achieve some form of aesthetic goal, it can potentially cause a disordered relationship with food. And and our bodies, really, and and with exercise, too. I mean, we kind of see it all across the board. Um, You know, your relationship with food, your relationship with training, and your relationship with your body. Um, Three very important relationships that we often see can, um, they have a tendency to get disrupted by the process of going through a journey with doing things the wrong way, and we'll talk about that. Um, So, you know, my personal experience as i've talked about a number of times on this show is that when i started dieting i started doing things very aggressively i started restricting calories way more than i should have and i started doing cardio and exercise was a form of punishment i hated cardio and i still don't like cardio but i would you know you know just forced myself to jump on the treadmill for an hour and I would literally be miserable for every single second of it but I thought that you know because I was overweight because I was at this point of being disgusted with how I looked that this is what I deserved like I this was punishment because this is what I had to do to myself and restricting myself with the foods that I was eating I also viewed that as necessary it was just a necessary thing because I let myself get to this point so I am now going through this punishment. And that lasted for a long time. And ultimately, when I did my first, like, real nutrition plan, I became very obsessed with quote unquote clean eating. And I justified it by saying that I was just trying to be healthy. And so, you know, when I would be out at a restaurant, I would, you know, order as much custom like raw veggies and salad and grilled chicken don't use oil you know if i was ordering eggs it was like egg whites all the veggies grill don't use oil and i was just very hyper focused on quote-unquote clean eating and i would you know anytime that somebody would question me i would get super defensive and be like well i'm just doing this because it's healthy i'm doing it for my health like why can't people understand that and I had this fear around any sort of food that was, quote unquote, off limits. And my first nutrition plan actually came with a food list. And so I was kind of basing it off of that first list that I ever received that had like a, a good list versus a bad list. And and even some of the foods on the bad list were not bad foods and, and it kind of, you know, and when we're, I'm talking about bad, I'm talking about from a nutrition standpoint, like some fruit and some vegetables were actually on that bad list. And so it, it didn't make any sense. And I never got an explanation as to why the list was the way that it was. And But I carried that mindset uh, forward. And what that led to was that any time I would slip up and eat a off-limit food, I would just have what I called last chance syndrome, where I would eat all of the off-limits food like the most epic binge sessions you can imagine. I wanted to get it all in because I felt like once I stopped, then they were off limits again. So in order to like keep some sense of control, it was, I'm just going to keep eating this these foods because once I stop, I can no longer have them again. And And that was my mindset. That was literally, it made sense in my head to do that. And I never questioned anything about like, why I was thinking this because there, there was no source like there was no educational reason there was no explanation given to me as to why certain foods were off limits and why certain foods were okay and, and I went down this this path of just hyper focused on clean eating and it wasn't until my um, a, a family member that was very close to me said I think you might have orthorexia and I was like, there's no way that that's possible. I'm healthy. I'm exercising. I eat well. There's no possible way. And and it was like all the disordered patterns, like the the weekend binging and you know eating until I was physically sick. None of that registered. It was just like I'm healthy. I'm eating clean foods. Because it's I'm healthy. How can I have orthorexia? And then. Um, it kind of sunk in and, and it kind of settled in my brain a little bit and um, it, was, it became one of those things it was like this little whisper that I knew was true, and I was just trying to drown it out as much as possible. Um, eventually, I came around and realized that uh, my relationship with food was was really tarnished, and I was in a bad place that you know certain foods that I loved just for the enjoyment factor. Um, I was depriving myself of, like, I wouldn't eat ice cream. And I'm a big fan of ice cream. I wouldn't eat, you know, French fries or a burger. And um, and it wasn't until I really started getting into the research for myself and, you know, kind of climbing out of this hole slowly um, that I actually over-rotated all the way to the other side where I started celebrating the foods that I was eating that had no nutritious value, but I was actually, I was getting leaner and stronger, and I was improving my physique, but I was doing it eating like Rice Krispie treats and donuts and Pop-Tarts, and it was like a, a constant, like, look at me, uh, you know, I can eat these foods and um, they're not evil and they don't cause any issues and they're perfectly fine. And, and so I like totally swung. And I, and I talk about this a lot because anytime, you know, it's like a pendulum, anytime we pull it in one direction, we have the tendency to over-rotate and swing it all the way back in the other direction. And that's, you know, that's happened to me so many times in my life. And it's just, you know, my personality, it's my nature. I'm, I go all in on something and I take it, sometimes I take it too far, and then, you know, that pendulum swings back. And I know a lot of you can relate to that because, you know, it, typically in the fitness space, there's a lot of extremes out there, there's a lot of stuff where we think we have to do something to get the best result. And we try to be so perfect and it's like one slip up and everything's ruined. And then it just creates this all or nothing mindset in so many different avenues. And that was the case for me with my relationship with food. And and a lot of our clients deal with the same thing where either they have a fear of a certain food because of how extreme they went. So a perfect example is we'll have clients who have tried a ketogenic diet, and they've eliminated carbs, and then they start to have some complications. They they plateau. They're no longer seeing results. They don't feel their best. They're um, they start to have some negative side effects from from doing keto, and then they try and you know come and and work with us and. They have this fear of carbs. Like, well, if I eat carbs, I'm going to get fat, and and I can't eat carbs because my body is not used to eating carbs, and um and it and it develops this you know disordered relationship with food and this fear of food groups, and um so we see it all the time. This this restrictive, this extreme um, approach can swing the pendulum all the way back in the other direction, and that's what happened. So, um and by the way, I just want to say, like, I'm not bashing the. Keto diet. I'm just saying, in in certain situations, that somebody has to. Um, they're kind of like, you know, being very extreme and being very restrictive in their approach. Um, it can cause some disordered tendencies, and so for certain people in certain applications, I think it's fine. However, for the majority of people, and I'm going to say most people would do better having some carbs in their life. And it's very difficult to eliminate an entire food group. But again, let's not even talk about the physiological effects of that, which we see all the time. Let's talk about the psychological effects of that, of literally believing that this food group is evil, that it's going to cause fat gain. If you just eat a little bit of, you know, if you have carbs back in your diet, like all the psychological damage, and that 's really what i 'm talking about it 's the relationship with food um, and so oftentimes we want to get to the root of it and understand why the person is thinking that way, understand where it stems from, but in this example you know it it 's a gradual approach you have to actually do it and realize that, oh, it's not going to just magically put fat on my body if I'm not in a caloric surplus. And so, and, you know, you just kind of, it's almost like immersion therapy. Um, you just kind of have to do it in small doses and then get yourself to the point where you feel confident. And um, and then you start to hopefully notice some of the benefits from a physiological standpoint and start noticing, you know, more energy and better recovery and you're training better and all these other things. Um, so... You know, with my own situation, I over rotated. I I went on this, like, you know, all Pop Tart and Rice Krispie Treat, like, celebration and was getting leaner, but I ignored the fact that I didn't really feel that good. You know, like my digestion was horrible, Um, my energy levels were horrible. I was, you know, pretty busy at that point from I was doing personal training and I was, you know, just getting into. Um, nutrition coaching and I was teaching different classes and bartending on the side and I had a lot going on and, and it was not ideal for my energy levels and it really jacked up my digestion and it was one of those situations where I like rebelled against the clean eating obsessed version of myself to this you know now I'm obsessed with like highly palatable high sugar foods and that was another disordered relationship. And um, and so my intent was a positive one where I wanted to help people see that no food is inherently good or bad, that there can be application for all foods. And that's true. But uh, it took a long time for me to get to the point of balance, which is we have to remove the labels altogether when it comes to good versus bad. Now that doesn't mean that we should be naive in thinking that something like a Pop-Tart is as beneficial for your health um, or, f, you know, for the nutrient value than as something like a sweet potato. So, you know, if we're taking, you know, 50 grams of carbs from a Pop-Tart versus 50 grams of carbs from a sweet potato, um, we it's, it would be ignorant of us to just say that those are equal from the nutrient value and from the health value they provide. But we also have to zoom out a little bit and understand that context is super important. So if we're just talking about physical health, then we can say, you know, we can look at things like nutrient value, uh, you know, micronutrients, macronutrients, and um, those sort of things. We can look at that if we're just talking about physical health. But if we're talking about overall Health in general, if we're talking about enjoyment, if we're talking about adherence and sustainability, if we're talking about you know living your life in a way that you want um, and having the lifestyle that you want, that should probably include some foods that you enjoy that may not have the most nutrient-dense composition that could you know whatever that looks like for you that could be candy it could be ice cream it could be burgers and fries it could be pizza it doesn't matter it, it, the point is what is the context what are we talking about in context with that food because if it's i'm having this because this is something that my family likes to do together we like to go out and have a pizza we like to share a glass of wine and a pasta whatever it is that is totally different it's fulfilling a different part of your health so we don't we don't want to Be so narrowly focused on just the physical attributes of a specific food. But in order to improve your relationship with food, we have to start by removing those labels. We have to start by understanding that there isn't an inherently evil food. However, we also want to create awareness around how certain foods make us feel and the context of that food. So it doesn't even matter, it could be something like, Something that it could, you know, whatever, let's, a superfood, or I don't actually believe in that word, but let's talk about, like, something like kale, if... I find kale disgusting, then that's not a good food for me. So how are we placing labels on good versus bad? If I, if I literally get sick to my stomach thinking about eating kale and I don't personally eat kale, then why am I you know, crowning this food as the best food out there? We always have to think about the context. But your relationship with food means that if you do consume something like a donut or like some ice cream the emotions that you feel afterwards as far as beating yourself up, feeling guilt, feeling shame, that is a sign that you have a poor relationship with food because either one of two things are happening. Either you are labeling that food as off-limits and you're saying that this is a bad food that I cannot have, which is probably the reason that you're craving that food, or you're making a decision that does not align with your goals at that time so you're telling yourself that you have specific goals and that this food doesn't align with your goals and you're kind of breaking that promise to yourself but either way we have to approach it the same way we have to go in with the understanding that this food isn't inherently good or bad we have to understand the context and then we have to make the decision that best aligns with our values and what we're and our goals what we're trying to accomplish now That means that you can still incorporate a donut or a cookie or anything that you want in your plan. However, we have to have the proper relationship with food in order for that to be sustainable. Because if it's going to conjure up feelings of guilt and shame, then you're going to Over rotate. You're going to limit that food even more and try and restrict it even more. You're going to feel guilty about it and you're going to beat yourself up for it, um, which is going to lead to this never ending cycle. Uh, How many times have you been stuck in this cycle where you try to just restrict further? You try to, you know, buckle up and do it better the next time. And every time you slip up and then you go off the rails and then you find yourself starting back at square one or even worse. So that's why improving your relationship with food will help the overall sustainability of what you're doing, which is why it's such an important focal point for our coaching. We have to improve how your perspective, your perception of certain foods and how they fit within your lifestyle and in certain contexts. So it might mean that you do have to walk away from the candy bowl at work when it doesn't serve you, but it also mean, means that you might have to include a piece of chocolate at the end of the night because that's a perfect thing for you to have a little snack and it's something you enjoy. And in that context and, and kind of adding it to your plan, you feel good about that. and You don't feel like you did something wrong or you went and ate a food that's on your bad list. All of a sudden it makes sense within the context of your Plan And and what you're trying to do. So a lot of what we work on is that that frame, we have to frame what we're trying to accomplish first. Um, And looking at that frame, that includes things like your non negotiables, what are those foods that you actually really love, for no other reason than just the pleasure value of food. And then we look at what are things that you're doing that might not be serving you, that don't align with your goals, some things that you could stand, you know, you could, you would be fine removing or limiting that aren't really things, you know, sometimes we make decisions because we feel like we have to in the moment, but it's not really what we want to be doing. So we have to address that. Um, And getting to that point where your relationship with food is, One of you know, there isn't a label, but there's awareness, so we don't look at a specific food and think this is good versus this is bad, but we have an awareness of how this is serving me in the context of what I'm doing, whether it be you know, everyday life, or training, or recovery, or social event, or you know, getting together with the family, whatever it is, connecting with a friend. Um, There's so many different. Uh, situations where food is going to be present. It's going to be used for one reason or another. Uh, We don't want to just look at it for its physical value. We don't want to just look at it for its pleasure value. We want to look at it as an all-encompassing thing that it's all around us, so we better improve our relationship with it. Um, and that goes along the same lines with improving your relationship with exercise. Why you're training, what does that you know mean to you? Are you doing it because you hate yourself or are you doing it because you love yourself? And getting to a point where The the foods that you're eating, the exercise that you're doing, and all of that is coming from a place of self-love, from trying to better yourself, to empower yourself, to feel stronger, to feel more confident. Uh, And that is what we try to accomplish when we're working with our clients, to get to that point where it's truly about you becoming the best version of you and using the vehicle of fitness and nutrition to get there. So I hope that makes sense. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. I know it can be a... A touchy subject because so many of us have struggled. And, you know, I talked about my personal experience. I had a, you know, a really poor relationship with food for a lot of years. And it's taken me a long time to get to a place where I don't think that it's perfect, but it is light years ahead of where it was but I would love to hear what you think Um, and if you're open to sharing you know your own story so I can hear kind of what you've been going through um, shoot me a DM let me know um, you know on Instagram it's at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner I would love to hear any sort of personal story that you have if you're comfortable sharing Um, and if you did enjoy this episode please take a screenshot post it to your stories and tag me Um, And as always, I would love for you to give the show a shout out. Send it over to your friends and family. We just keep growing, so it's awesome to see. I really appreciate everybody for listening, and I will talk to you next time.